Hey everyone, this is Rock from stageinthesky.com and I've been working on this essay for a long time, all right? It's a long time coming and it needs to be said. It needs to be said because I think it's one of the things that's really hurting the male-female relationships amongst us millennials, especially if you call yourself a Christian. Um, this one's gonna ruffle a lot of feathers, but I promise you, when you finish wish watching or listening to this video, a lot of things are gonna start to make sense. Things that your parents should have taught you or things that your mentors should be teaching you because at present, I've met two beautiful Christian ladies who just weren't there yet. You know, and I hope they learn the truth before they miss out on too many opportunities. And I still wish them well. I have nothing bad to say about, well, so this, this last one, this last one was kind of crazy, but I'm not talking about these ladies. All right, so the topic of today is wives submitting to your husbands. And I'm also gonna hit on Christians who reject part of the Bible. I've been sidestepping this issue for a long time because I'm not married. I understand this is a very sensitive issue, but as I pursue a potential mate, like I'm going through online dating right now because it seems like the only way to find someone these days, um, the topics come up and I confess, I see a great deal of irony in those who take umbrage with the concept of wives submit to your husbands. Also, I'm gonna hit on the enormous folly of Christians who say things like, you know, I believe what Jesus Christ said, but I don't, I don't care about those other books of the Bible. This is a problem. All right, so check it. Once upon a time, I once considered myself a male feminist, right? Um, I was all about the messages of empowerment and breaking down traditional roles and self-love and all that. I used to be that, I was part of that crowd. But by the age of 28, however, I started to read the Bible for myself. I wanted to know the truth. Not what someone else told me, not what someone else passed down to me, but the actual truth. And this began a long process of learning how much our modern culture and living by Christ standards, sometimes they don't mix. <laughs> I hate to say it, but they just don't. Um, and it was baffling how, you know, as I read the Bible and I'm like, wait a second. So, because there's, you know, you don't want to be called a bigot or intolerant or whatever. But then when you read the Bible, it's like, there, yeah, I mean, there are some things that God just won't tolerate or accept in the kingdom of heaven. So, strange. Okay. So, that year when I was 28, this is back in 2014, I was visiting my aunt in Colorado. I told her what I was looking for in a mate. I said... You know, I'm not looking for someone to lead or someone to follow. I'm looking for someone I can walk hand in hand with as my equal. I said this thinking it was correct. I honestly believed it back then. I felt it was right. It was very in line with feminism and all the ways of the world. And then that's what my aunt told me. I remember what she, she said with caution. She said, well, you know, Rock, as Christians, we're taught that the man is supposed to be the head of the household. You know, husbands are to honor their wives, but wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. The husbands are supposed to lead. And that kind of blew my mind. It went against everything the world and society has been preaching and promoting for well over a decade now. The world's changed. It's not like that anymore. So why on earth is she telling me this? Now, before I pull out the scriptures, I need to make it clear that I'm fully aware people will often cherry pick scriptures out of context that back up whatever argument they're trying to make. I get it. But here's the thing. I was 28 when my aunt first dropped those truth bombs on me. I'm 35 now. I read the entire Bible from cover to cover twice two different versions. And the second one was a more intensive study version where it had thousands of detailed notes and historical context to give me background information on each scripture. My point is, when you know what the Bible says and understand the context, you're not as vulnerable when it comes to being lied to and manipulated, which is why I strongly, strongly encourage everyone to read the Bible for yourselves. Don't take my word for it. Don't take your friends or your, or your friend's sister's cousin's word for it. Do your due diligence and read it for yourself. Here's what the Bible says. I'm literally just copying and pasting from the English Standard Version at, Biblegate at BibleGateway.com. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. 
Ephesians 5 verse 22 through 27 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Colossians 3 verse 18 through 19 says, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. And this is 1 Peter 3, 1 through 4 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when, you, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart that is with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. All right, so those are just four sets of scriptures. There's plenty more in the Bible, but those come directly from the Bible. I didn't write them, I didn't make them up. Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Ephesians, and Colossians, while the Apostle Peter wrote his letters. Now, if you believe that the Bible is an inspired word of God, then you know that those words come from God. It's okay to have a problem with them. It's okay to question God. That's how you get to know Him. But I also encourage you to start asking yourself a few questions like, why do I have a problem with this? Why does this make me feel a type of way? Do I really even believe what I'm reading? So let's be honest. The, the problem most people have with the notion of why I submit to your husbands is the interpretation of the word submit. To be put under or yielding to another person's authority goes against a lot of what mainstream culture has been promoting with feminism for decades. I think society has done a really good job of demonizing the word to the point that most people often associate submission with domination and tyranny, almost akin to slave owners and their slaves, right? Oh, women. So basically you want your woman to be property. I've heard that a lot. Now, to me, the simplest way to describe submission is if one person wants to go one way and the other person wants to go the other, if they're to stay together, one of them has to submit or give in to the other person's direction. This is an oversimplification, of course, but bear with me, because from what I see, and if you get too detailed with that, people start to latch on details instead of seeing the big picture. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, there is a big picture, one far more dangerous than simply being offended by the word submission. And here's the irony. Here's the irony when it comes to the whole Oh, wives submit to your husbands. As much as people want to think, oh, you know what? You're just, you, you just want to dominate and be in control. Or you're, you're sexist and misogynistic for even bringing up the scriptures. Here's the irony. If the reversal was said, if the Bible told us that husbands should submit to your wives, guess what I would do? I would submit to my wife. If the Bible told us that whoever makes the most money in the relationship makes the rules, I would submit to that. Why? Because I'd be submitting not to the logic and wisdom of human beings, but to the word of God. This is what God is telling me I should be doing, if the Bible said that. Not to mention, everyone submits to something. Employees submit to their bosses, students submit to the teachers, teams submit to the captains or coaches, professionals submit to the demands of the fans of the industry. Since college, I was told, oh, you know what, you gotta play the game to win. In life, I was told, hey, you know what, sometimes you gotta do things you don't wanna do in order to get ahead. Is this not submission? We're willing to do all that, but not submit to the one person we love more than enough than spend the rest of our lives with? Isn't that strange? Like, does no one else find that a little bit weird? Hold up, hold up, Rock. What, what about compromise and equal partnership? Okay, all right. Let's hit on compromise first. So why do we think submission is all about total dominance and tyranny? I surmise 
It's because if there's no problem, then there'd be no reason for change. But if we can convince people that husbands being in charge means that the women have no say in the matter, that they're just property and slaves to the husband, well, that's not good. Something has to change. Yeah, thank you, mainstream media. Thank you, Hollywood. And I, I have the pictures here of Ike Turner and um, this guy from Color Purple. It's been a long, long time since I've seen Color Purple, but Kevin Samuels talks about it all the time, you know, when, like, those movies, they did a tremendous amount of harm to the black community because that black stereotype of the black man, you know, beating his women and talking, hey, go make me a sandwich. Like, that's real. Like, people have that. Yes, there are abusive men out there who call themselves Christians while treating their women like crap. Yes. There were men, Christian men, who lived by the standards of their time where it seemed acceptable to slap your wife and no one would bat an eye. I'm not condoning any of that. You know why? Because just as the scriptures say, wives, submit to your husbands, the apostle Peter also tells us at 1 Peter 3, 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Show honor to your women. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Who will tell me that this is tyranny? Which of you will tell me that this is complete dominance? If all you see and hear about in the media and the movies or the bad relationships, it's going to have an impact on your perception of relationships. As if it's the men who wanted pink floral drapes or that vacation at Tahiti or to name their sons Ashley or their daughters Parker. So my point of saying all that is that, you know, like in modern relationships, there is compromise. To say that there isn't, you're just lying to yourself, that's intellectual dishonesty. And here's the thing, if the husband and wife are both Christians striving to put God first, would the whole submission concept even be that big of a deal? If you share the same values, the direction your husband wants to take is usually the same direction you want to take. And if compromise is such a problem, you would have figured that out during the dating process before you got married, right? Or is it so important for you to feel like you had a hand in the decision, that you never submitted, that you're not beneath anyone? Well, Rock, isn't that important to you? Not really. Since I was 17, I learned to simply let people think they got the best of me in order to accomplish something that's far more important. I don't mind letting people think they won small battles or that they're in control of me. That's why I sometimes laugh when people say, hey, you know what, man? If you care too much about the other person than they do, then you give them all the power in the relationship. As if I can't just walk away from the deal. Come on. All right, so let's talk about that notion of equal partnership. Again, I have to start with questions. Why do people think the notion of equality, equal partnership, equally yoked, and the breakdown of traditions and gender roles, why do we think that's a good thing? Why is that so important to people? Why is that so important to you? Are you serious, Rock? Well, I mentioned earlier it's okay to question God, but we're not allowed to question modern culture or progressive ideology. Well, you know, because equality is a good thing, all right? Anyone who doesn't believe in equality is evil and they shouldn't be allowed to, says who? Says who? Where is that written in the Bible? Why do you think the way you think? That's what I'm really getting at, all right? Because I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I'm trying to get you to think about why you have these beliefs about what, you know, what you think is right and wrong. Well, Rock, well, how would you feel if you were hanging around people who thought they were superior to you? I mean, don't you care about equality and being treated as an equal? Of course I care. At the same time, this might sound strange, but it really isn't that important to me. I've always had this belief that in order to be treated as an equal, you must first see yourself as an equal or superior. It starts with you and how you see yourself. Otherwise, no matter how well someone treats you, no matter how what they do for you, it may never be enough. I believe in equality under the law, but anything that can't be accurately measured or proven is just futile to me. Let me put it this way. If you were secure, confident, and content with who you are or what you have, would you really care if someone entered a room flashing your money and accomplishments thinking that they're better than you? Sure, it might be a little annoying, but not to the point that I dwell on it and demand that they change who they are so I can feel better about myself. And that's what it boils down to, isn't it? The whole problem with submission and equality is about how you personally feel as an individual. 
Equality can't be about everyone universally because everyone is different. Everyone has different preferences, worldviews, priorities, wants, needs. I'm taller than most. I work out and box, so I'm healthier, more athletic than most my age. And let's be honest, when it comes to beauty, why do you think people complain about beauty standards? Why do you think people created things like body positivity and fat acceptance movements? Why do you think people had a problem with Adele when she lost all that weight? There will never be this utopian equality unless we all look the same, did the same things, wanted the same things, and got the same things. Again, other than fairness on the law, I think it's just pointless to care so much. Your best bet is just to recognize and accept yourself for who you are, whether you're better or worse than others, and just not give a shit. I have a big nose. I got no game. I'm so goofy it's ridiculous, but it's all good. If people don't like you for who you are, it's okay. This isn't injustice. They have the same free will that you you have, everyone's blessed with. Instead of trying to change and control them, which I think is what a lot of these movements are doing, I say leave and go someplace where you are accepted and appreciated for who you are. No one's responsible for your feelings more than you. Notice I said more than you. Obviously, if you're with someone and you love them, you don't want that person to betray them, so they do have some responsibility, but the number one person for your feelings is you. Yes, the Bible does say that man and women become one when they get married. But as mentioned in the scriptures, the husband is the head, Ephesians 5.23. So when it comes to this concept of equal partnership, I'm sorry ladies and gentlemen, but I really don't think there can be two heads. I could be wrong, but from what I read, the scriptures just don't support that. Instead, I believe in the phrase I recently heard from Suzanne Banker, and that we're equal in value, but different by nature. Men and women bring equal value to the relationship, but in different aspects. A man may have greater physical strength, while a woman has greater emotional strength. Ravi Zacharias, he illustrates this in a speech I heard a couple of years ago where he talks about a sick child, you know. A woman with her greater emotional strength might have the strength to sit there and not leave that child's side. Whereas it may be too much for the husband, and he has to go outside and just walk it off because it's just too much for him to bear. Alright, so, like, men and women, we bring different things to the relationship, and we should be seeing, like, we should be complimenting, not competing. I will tell you that not once have I ever been in a relationship and saw my girlfriend as beneath me. Instead of seeing them as my inferior, I actually gravitate to women who are stronger than me in areas that I am weak or lacking. Like I said, we should be complimenting, not competing. Yeah, well, I just think that anyone who's so concerned about wives submitting to your husband, they have the wrong attitude going into a Christian marriage. All right, so... Allow me to illustrate why I think this is super important for people to figure out early on, even before you even get married. Let's say we are married. We have a son. In second grade, he comes home from school and tells us he, that he feels like a girl and he wants to start wearing dresses and he wants to be called Madeline. Do you see where I'm going with this? Personally, if it's just between me and my wife, I wouldn't care so much about issues of submission. I'm independent. I can handle my own stuff. I clean up after myself. I'm good. But when we have children, it's on us to steer them right, to raise them and do what's good in God's eyes. And I promise you, there would be nothing more devastating to me as a father than to be with the wife who says, well, let's let him wear a dress. I believe everyone should do whatever they want to do if it makes him happy. If he wants to be called Madeline, let's call Marcus Madeline. Dude, this would, uh, dude, this would crush me. And if I say no to this and she doesn't submit to my authority as a man, after showing them the scriptures, no less, it's our son who will be harmed and jeopardized. Why? Because as Christians, we know what will happen to this world and all wickedness. Jesus Christ is going to return. This world is like the Titanic. The ship is going down. And if we love our children, we'll want to do whatever we can to make sure we ha they have a place on those lifeboats. 
For those who don't know that analogy, basically, as Christians, we know that this world is going to be destroyed. Jesus Christ is going to come and all wickedness would be wiped away. So if you didn't repent and you're still living by worldly standards, you're probably going to be destroyed with the rest of them. And if you love someone, especially your loved ones or your son or your daughter, you want to steer them towards God to do what's good in God's eyes because you don't want to see them destroyed. That's the analogy for those who aren't well versed in Christianity. Oh, see, you're not, you're not accepting your son. Okay, read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Read it for yourself. I have it up on the screen. And tell me what you think God will accept in the kingdom of heaven. Because you hear this a lot, man. It, it drives me wild. Oh, well, you're not accepting him. But it's like, look at, look at the scriptures. You know, if I'm wrong, if I'm misinterpreting what I'm seeing with my own eyes, tell me. Put it down in the comment section. But this is what the scriptures tell me, and it's more than one place. People like to point out how Jesus ate with sinners. That's their go-to when it comes to tolerance and acceptance. You know, well, you know, Jesus, he ate with sinners. But in the book of Luke, Jesus explains, does a physician go and tend to healthy people? But in Luke 5.31, Jesus answers, it's not the healthy he needs a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. Meaning he's eating with sinners to get them to repent, not to condone and accept them. Okay, it's okay, you can live your... No, he's getting them to turn away from their... Repent means turn away. All right. So if you turn away from God, what are you turning to? And if you're turning away from the world sinful lifestyle, you can turn to God, turn to Jesus. It's open and accepting for everyone, but it's up to you to repent. The Apostle Paul gives perhaps the most encouraging charge for mothers and women at 1 Timothy chapter 2, 13 through 15, where he writes, For Adam was born first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Now that might sound like he's just bringing up women just to put them down, but as Pastor John MacArthur notes in the study Bible, Paul is actually teaching that even though women bear the stigma of being the initial instrument who led the race into sin, because women have a unique bond and intimacy with their children, they also have the privilege of leaving, leading many out of sin into godliness. And that's amazing. I mean, honestly, that's the imprint that mothers have on our lives early on. And if you can steer your child right from the get-go, you're, you're basically saving his life. That's why as I continue my journey to find a wife, yes, I'll be drawn to how hot she is and whether or not we have good chemistry, but I'm also looking at whether or not this woman would be a good mother to our children. Because we'll need to be united in raising them to do what's good in God's eyes while preparing them to endure a world that will try to get our children to rebel and reject God at every turn. Honestly, every time your kid puts on headphones, he or she is basically being schooled on the ideology of an entertainer, whether it's Drake, or there's Future, Travis Scott, Justin Bieber, or even Cardi B. Entertainers who to this day still believe, you know what, they're not responsible for any negative influence on your children, right? That's what you hear all the time. So, and I hate to bring this up, but I look at Will Smith, right? Um, he's been in the news recently. Um, he was raised as a Christian, but he married a woman who didn't share his values in marriage by many accounts that I've seen and read. Obviously, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Uh, he recently gave an interview to GQ magazine, and he's talking about open marriage with Jada. Open marriage is just a terrible, terrible idea. It is the l a very, very unchristian thing. And if you call yourself a Christian, like you got some soul searching to do, man. It's so bad. To the, now, to his credit, Will Smith says, I don't suggest a rope for anyone. But don't think for one second that just because he's a, I don't suggest it for anyone, I mean, it was just us. Don't think for one second that these grown ass adults out here aren't looking at what these celebrities like Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith are doing and thinking to themselves, you know, I like that. The idea that I can be married to someone and yet have sex and engage with an entanglement with another person, that sounds like fun. You know what, if my partner isn't into it, then he must not trust me. They're not capable of experiencing that highest definition of love, as Will Smith puts it. This is 
what you risk when you marry someone who doesn't share your Christian values. That's not 100% blame on Jada, but just like Adam, when Eve brought him the fruit for the forbidden tree, Will had a choice. He had a, he has a choice. He could change. You know, it's not too late for him. And don't take my word for it. Listen to what Shamika says on The Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife. So the fact that Will has decided that Jada wears the pants, it's really disgusting. In my opinion, I wish that both of them would just come out and admit they're bisexual and that they're just flip-flopping and don't know what role they want to take in the marriage because, you know, either one goes. So it's, it's I don't like it. And Jada really comes across as a Jezebel, in my opinion. And we know what happened to Jezebel, you know, they need to let the dogs out on Jada because this is really ridiculous. You have all these Jezebels and Ahabs that we're propping up as the ideal marriage and that's not ideal. You have Jada and Will with this foolishness. You have uh, uh, Gabrielle Union with Dwayne Wade in them little clothes looking like a, a girl all the time, running him, telling us whether or not he like his behind lick. You know, it's just ridiculous and what we're seeing and being pushed out here as the idea of marriage and then it bothers me that will even had the nerve to say you know his christian values made him you know want to go to a therapist and and check out what was going on in his mind where if these are things that are valuable to you if you have values which one do you value your christian views or your wife because they're not going together here and you need to choose i have no problem with people believing whatever they want to believe but i am a fruit inspector because the bible says that a good tree bringeth forth good fruit but an evil tree bringeth forth corrupt fruit a good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit neither can it the evil tree bring forth good fruit so let's what what are what are we doing here now at this point i like to present you with two real life debates i have with other christians about the subject of wives submitting to your husbands um the second one is, is pretty funny when i say funny it's disturbing um this is these are real like basically what happened was if i'm i'm giving you some backstory that's not on my website but basically there's one woman who i was pursuing romantically she asked me rock how do you feel about feminism and i told her you know what my aunt said you know well you know i don't put too much stock in it because i put the bible first and you know the bible has some pretty strong views about the, ro the roles of men and women in relationships and the friends like oh well you know people cherry pick make mean whatever they want i'm like yeah but I've read the entire Bible and it says in multiple places. So I was talking to different people to get their opinion. That's why people say all the time, oh, you know, you, you can't, you know. like, I'm not arrogant. When I talk to people about what's going on with me, it's I'm trying to get a second opinion. I can try, I'm trying to get, am I wrong here? Am I crazy for thinking this? So here's the conflicts and here's the debates that I had. Now, the first one was with an older Christian woman in her 70s. She'd been a close friend of mine since I was like 23. I'm 35 now, so obviously over a decade. I told her about a girl I was courting through online dating and her aversion to this notion of wives submit to your husbands. I tried to explain that this is what the Bible says and reveal my simplified version of submit, but she disagreed. And this older woman, she said she didn't believe a woman should have to submit to anyone and that in marriage, we should work together. I agree with that. I agree with that. Ladies and gentlemen, I agree with that. I agree with the concept of working together, but if it comes to an impasse where someone needs to capitulate, if the woman claims to be Christian abiding by the word of God, she should submit to her man's authority. 
And that's when this older woman who was clearly heated, she told me I was wrong. She said, you know what, I disagree with that, you have an ego. Now we didn't get a chance to finish that conversation because someone else entered the office, but I'm not gonna lie, her assessment of me calling, saying I have an ego, you know, it hurt me deeply. You know, she means a lot to me. This woman means a lot. So for to say that I have an ego, it hurt my feelings. I'm not gonna lie. Um, being he humble and being humble and meek, you know, these aren't my strongest attributes. You know, if you saw me in person, see me working, see me wheeling and dealing, I have a lot of confidence in the way I work. You know, that's just me. I, me thinking I'm beneath anyone or, you know, modesty, nah. Even in joking, you know, hey Rock, how do you feel today? If I look like crap, I'll still say, man, I'm fly. You know, I'm just, that's the kind of guy I am. I'm sorry, uh, that's just who I am. So when she said I had ego, yeah, I took a moment to self-reflect. Was I really wrong? Was I misinterpreting scriptures? Do I really have an ego? And turning the Bible, I reread those aforementioned scriptures I posted or talked about earlier in the video um, about wives submitting to their husbands. And I even called my mom. My mom confirmed I wasn't wrong. I wasn't calling her to say, hey mom, tell me I'm right. My mom and I, you know, she's a Jehovah's Witness. I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. So sometimes we do differ and we disagree, but on this, I mean, the Bible says it. Those are the scriptures. All right, second conflict is a little bit crazy. I, so this guy is a 60 something year old white man. He's in my boxing class. And the thing is like my boxing class, sometimes we get into these barbershop style arguments all the time. You know, we talk about religion and culture issues before. It's not that big a deal. We get passionate, we get a little bit heated, but we hash it out. Um, so when I told him what I was going through with, um, you know, the ego thing and talking to this female that I'm courting through online dating, you know, and I said about, you know, and I talked about wives submit to your husbands. He disagreed. He said, you know, Rock, I don't agree with uh, all this submission stuff. When it comes to the Bible, I'm a Christian, but I, and I, but I believe what Jesus said. I don't really care about all the other stuff the other guys said. If Jesus didn't say it, I don't care about it. And of course, that's when I lost it. This was my fault. It was just at the boxing. Again, I'm a little bit heated. I just wasn't expecting such, and I don't want to use, because I don't want to insult him. Sometimes he reads these things. Sometimes he visits my website. I have respect to him. I told him. Do you believe that the Bible is inspired by God? That the words of the book come from God? He said, yes. So this is my face right here that I basically looked at him like. And I said, it's like, okay. So if you believe that the words come from God, the, the Bible comes from God, how could you possibly say that you'll only consider what Jesus Christ said, but you'll disregard everything else? Not to mention, do you think Jesus Christ wrote the gospels himself? He didn't. His apostles and his apostles and friends of apostles wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the gospels. Those are the ones about Jesus Christ and his life and his ministry. Everything you know about Jesus Christ came from someone else and what someone else wrote down. So if you believe those four books and disregard everything else, what does that say about you? And that's when he accused me of looking down on others for not believing the way I believe. He's like, you know, that's not right, right? You gotta respect other people's opinions. You can't look down on them even if they disagree with them. Even if you disagree with them. And here's the deal, because I hate it when they go down that route. I agree that you should always treat people with respect and kindness, love and kindness, whether or not you agree with them or not. Meaning, I'm not going to call you stupid or say you're wrong, even if I'm thinking, unless we are having an actual debate. However, when it comes to whether or not I internally, like in my heart and mind, accept your opinion that you just laid out for me, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but if you say some nonsense in which I clearly know that you're wrong, no. I'm not gonna pat you on the back or nod and go on my way to make you feel good because to me, it'd be like I'm validating the person's opinion as if they're correct. I cannot do that. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that the, one of the reasons why this world is so messed up right now is because too many people have done that. Honestly, my mind went straight to the Holocaust or Mao's Great Leap Forward. So many atrocities have happened in this world because people who could make a difference were either too afraid to correct someone or they've been it too much from letting that ideology go unchecked. And I like to use this for all those who say, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ, not the apostles. Okay, how about this? 
Remember what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 19? Jesus makes it very clear about the one permissible reason for divorcing your spouse. In verse 9, Jesus says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. That's what Jesus said. Do you agree with him? Do you still believe him? Because it's not the only chapter in which he says that. I've cited this verse plenty of times and people will say, Oh, what if abuse is involved? Well, if I call myself Christian and endeavor to follow him, I'd be living my life by Christ's teachings. You just read for yourself what Jesus Christ said. Does that not answer your question? Are you so keen to hear from my lips so you can divert your attention from Jesus to me, a flawed human being right for debate and argument, wiggle room, basically so you can justify it to mean whatever you want. This is a tactic I've seen time and time again, and people think they're so freaking slick. And the ironic thing is, Jesus Christ said, except for sexual immorality, indicating it's the only permissible reason. However, Apostle Paul goes deeper in saying in 1 Corinthians 7, 15, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not a slave. God has called you to peace. Now, one could argue here that Paul is saying that you can divorce an unbelieving partner. But to those who believe Jesus Christ and not the other books, what say you? Now, now, what Paul is saying, is sound, it sounds enticing now, doesn't it? But Rock, nobody's perfect, all right? We all fall short. You can't look down at people who get divorced for other reasons while trying their best to be good, good practicing Christians. I'm not arguing against that. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not arguing against that. Everyone does their best, we all fall short. The issue what I have here is with those who reject Bible principles outright in the first place. If you know Christ's teachings and you fall short and stumble as we all do, Christ tells us to pray for forgiveness and repent. He died so that we could be forgiven. But if, in order to repent, you must first acknowledge that what you're doing is wrong. To know that what you're doing is wrong, you have to read the Bible, not just the Gospels, but the whole book, to find out what God deemed is right and wrong. Dennis Prager talks about this in his book, Genesis, The Rational Bible, an essay about why God didn't call upon Son and Gomorrah to repent. And I, I thought it was super interesting. In Genesis 18, God took Abraham out over hill and talked about destroying those two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, it, it, Dennis Prager asked, well, why didn't he call on Sodom and Gomorrah to repent first, the way he did with Jerusalem time and time again. Or even cities like Nineveh. This is the city where, you know, God sent Jonah, the one who was swallowed by the whale. He sent Jonah to Nineveh to get them to, to, get them to repent, to change. And Nineveh did change, and they were spared destruction. So when it comes to Sodom and Gomorrah, why didn't we do the same? In Sodom, where it says all the townspeople participated in attempted rapes, Sodom had no cognizance of good and evil. Therefore, they could not consider themselves sinners and therefore would not even understand the call to repentance. So this is a thought exercise to really hammer home what I'm talking about. So think about this. Seriously, and stop right now, just think about it. If God took a servant like Abraham out of a city where you live, it could be Detroit, New York, Atlanta, wherever you're living right now as you're watching this video, if God promised not to destroy the city, if he found but just 10 innocent people, and then he did like a quick scan of the city, and he decided that you were not one of those 10 innocent people, what about your life would you change in order to prevent your own destruction? How would you know what to change if you don't read the Bible? Now, I kind of glossed over that, okay? This is heavy. This is really heavy stuff. All right, just look at this picture of Sodom and Gomorrah. It, the, the city was destroyed. People, uh, people died here, okay? If God did a quick scan of your life and didn't think that you were one of those 10 innocent people, what about your life? What about, what, what are you doing in your life right now? Would you change to prevent that destruction? I think about it myself. I think I know what I would change. It would be difficult, but I'd be willing to do it. I get it, ladies and gentlemen. The concept of simply believing in Jesus in order to be saved is amazing. If all you have to do is believe that Jesus existed as the Son of God and died for our sins, that sounds easy. However, when Jesus was on earth, he did more than just die on a cross. 
He taught us. He, he had a ministry. He gave instructions on how we should live our life. He made disciples of men and instructed them to go forth baptizing others. Jesus Christ himself knew it would not be easy for people to believe him. Check out John 15 verse 20. And that's not God's fault. I know people always say, oh, well, why did God make it so hard? No, that's not God's fault. That's Satan's. If God put you alone on an island and he gave you this commandment, you must not drink any beer. That would be easy if there was no beer around. You don't know how to make it, you'd be fine. Okay, that's an easy one to follow. But if Satan showed, suddenly showed up with a boat full of sexy people and kegs of beer saying, hey, you, you wanna have sex with those people? Well, you gotta drink beer. Now suddenly following God's commandment is not so easy, right? Like that's what Satan has done. Basically God gave us commandments and Satan has done his damnness since the beginning of time to get us to turn away from doing what God commanded us ever since the Garden of Eden. So yes, I'm calling out and admonishing self-proclaimed Christians who willfully ignore and reject the words of Christ and his apostles. I'm not talking about those who just didn't know. If you're reading the scriptures for the first time and it makes you feel a type of way, again, that's all right. God knows we are humans. We are born and raised in a system that goes against Bible teachings. It's gonna take time, it's gonna take effort, it's gonna take faith to reprogram you from all that social engineering and conditioning. It's a process. Question everything, but don't stop seeking the truth. I'll leave you with these two examples of humans who knew God but leaned upon their own understanding. Because this is what a lot of Christians actually do these days, where they, they'll see, okay, why submit to your husband, but uh, I really don't like it, I feel a type of way. You know, what, what he really means here is not submit, you know, and they try to get it whatever they want. All right, the first example is with King, King Saul. God ordered Saul to annihilate the Amalekites in 1 Samuel chapter, six, chapter 15. In verse 3, God said, Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill men and women, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. To us, as human beings, this sounds horrible. This is genocide. Genocide is evil, right? Not if you read the Bible and understand what was happening. In Exodus, we learned that the Malachites terrorized and attacked the young nation of Israel when they were coming out of wilderness upon leaving Egypt. I mean, this is a young nation, all right? They had 400 years of being beaten and enslaved by Egypt. Now they're out in the wilderness, it's hot, it's desert, they're eating manna every day, and you're getting terrorized by the Malachites, this nomadic tribe. I mean, out of love for his people and a strong sense of justice, God said at Exodus 17, 14, I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. All right, and he was basically using Saul to do it, and Saul's like, oh man, I don't know, man, that's that's heavy. And he let some of the Malachites go. He didn't kill them all like God destructed, and that's why he was ultimately replaced by David, King David. Um, this leads me to my second instance, all right? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was reminding his disciples that he would need to go to Jerusalem and suffer terrible things and be killed and raised on the third day. Now, Peter, he heard this, and he tried to stop him, saying, far be it for you, my Lord. This shall never happen to you. Now, do you remember Jesus' response? In verse 23 in Matthew 16, he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Consider that. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus' reaction is legit how I felt when I talked to those two Christians and got the kind of pushback I received by merely straight by merely stating what the Bible says. It'd be one thing if I was revealing the scriptures to an atheist or someone who didn't believe the Bible at all. You know, I would probably sit there and explain why, you know, God had this logic to begin with. But when it comes to Christians, it, I mean, it was rough to hear from them. Again, I get this as a sensitive subject. 
And some people st may still be in the process of becoming a Christian where they simply just weren't ready to hear those words, right? Like the one, the female I was talking to through online dating, she's a very, very nice young lady. She's a doctor and if she hears this, hey, how you doing? Um, but she could be still in her journey of becoming a Christian and to hear that, oh, wives submit to your husbands, she just wasn't ready for that. I get it, that's her, that's her journey, you know? Once upon a time, I had Christians telling me all kinds of stuff I wasn't ready to hear. My brother, prime example of that. I mean, when I was pursuing my career as an author, he would hit me with, you know, I was in band club, and I found out that at a certain point, you know, I was putting, you know, the band club before God. And he was using that to illustrate that I was putting my writing career before God, and I just wasn't ready to hear that because, man, I mean, I had sacrificed so much to get so far, so, yeah, I about ready to bite his head off, all right? So I get it, I get it. However, even if the person that I'm dealing with, they're not ready. Speaking on behalf of myself, hopefully now you'll understand why a man like me would bring up scriptures like why I submit to your husband before we even get married. It's not because I have an ego. It's not because I'm in a rush to lord over someone. But from what I found, if I'm dealing with a Christian who just doesn't know the scriptures as much as I do, there's a lot of arguments in which there, you know, I mean, come on. I don't want to get too much into stereotypes, but damn, it is. I mean, you gotta fight through the weeds, and it's like every day it's your your there's a conflict where you basically okay, I get what you're saying, I know that's what the world says, but here's what the Bible says, and then you basically getting pushed back to the point where they're saying, you know, Rock, you should be ashamed of yourself for not doing what's good in the eyes of modern culture. You're too conservative. I literally had a female tell me that, and I said, okay, thank you, I understand, and I went about my business. You can't serve two masters. I aim to rebel if anything goes against what God says through His Word, the Bible defined to the day I die. And it's, it's kind of interesting about that too because I was, a, you know, I was pretty rebellious growing up. So pretty much my whole life, I've just been a rebel. You know, like if something didn't make sense, oh, do this, why? Because I said so, <laughs> oh, that's not gonna work. Do this, why? Because I'm an authority, <laughs> oh no. I'm gonna need more than that, you know? Um, And the Bible, when I read it from start to cover, I mean, there's a lot of things that just make sense, even from a secular standpoint, and I can argue that really well. Like, there's plenty of essays. Hit me up if you have any problems or you have any questions there, because, I mean, the Bible it makes so much sense. You just got to read it, and you have to read it from an earnest heart, knowing that you know nothing, and God, His wisdom is so infinite compared to yours. But Rock, there's no such thing as a perfect woman. You get that a lot. I hear that a lot, as if, you know, <sighs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm not looking for perfection. All right, all I'm looking for is just the effort and the willingness to improve. Because honestly, I wouldn't mind it if my girlfriend or wife was more spiritually mature than I was. I'd be inspired instead of turned off and repulsed. Yes, she might get a lot of, huh, you know, that's interesting, darling, let me look into that. And I might even be a little bit worried that she's too holy for me, but if she makes it a point to embrace me, believing in my potential to get up to her level, I'd accept that challenge. But that's just me. And I, I mean, honestly, it's kind of sad because a lot of these Christians who, you know, I, on my online da dating profile, I put up there that I'm a Christian, that I'm a virgin waiting until marriage to have sex. So I'm pretty strong out there. So for a woman to like me, match with me, start messaging me, and then be so resistant to, you know, like if I am more holy than she is, like she just, she like that repulses her. And I, I literally had to say, hey, you know, is, am I talking about, about the Bible? Does that annoy you? You know, it, it's just weird. The times we're living in is weird. But basically, I hope that what I'm saying, all of this starts to permeate a little bit. I mean, it might, again, hit like an asteroid grinding against the atmosphere of the earth because it goes against a lot of what you've been conditioned to believe. All I say is that just read the Bible for yourself. 
find out for yourself. If you call yourself a Christian, if you endeavor to do what's good in God's eyes, the words are there. And I mean, pray. I, I, I can tell you that when I learned about Jesus Christ and the nature of Jesus Christ, and I was trying to find out the truth about him, I prayed for God to open my heart, to humble me, to be open and ready to accept the truth. And um, that's the end of this essay. Uh, and I thank you for watching. If you're reading this while you're playing the video on my website, I thank you for listening. And at this point, I'm just gonna start rambling off the bonus stuff that I had. This is, you guys know I'm long-winded. Um, I wrote plenty more. I had to delete a lot the bonus stuff. Here's the extra thoughts that, um, you know, you don't have to read but or watch or listen, but if you're still listening, I imagine that you're interested. All right, so on the first day of that conflict where the woman told me that, oh, you know what, Rocky, you have an ego? It was just by chance. I give all grace to God because it was something I needed right there in that moment. Um, a young woman, she's 31, she came across you know, she came across me and we were just talking and I asked her about her faith because obviously I was down in dumps a little bit. And she said, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. When I asked her why she described herself as such, I already had preconceived notions about this because usually I've written about it in an essay that when I hear people say, oh, I'm Christian, but not religious, I generally think that this person knows about Christ, but they really don't care to live by Christ standards. This woman proved to be the exception to the rule, and it made my day. I was so happy to hear her say this. This is what she said. The reason why I don't like to call myself Christian and would rather say I'm spiritual and not religious is because from what I've seen from other people who call themselves Christians, they say they believe in God and follow Christ, but their actions go against it. Like, I've seen so many self-proclaimed Christians make fun and belittle Jehovah's Witnesses for going door-to-door -door to preach good news. But that's what they're supposed to be doing. Jesus said, go forth and make disciples of all the nations. This woman, she really made me smile. I, again, I thank God, because I really needed that, man. I swear I'm not making this up, you know, like... It, because it was a reminder that I'm not alone. And when you deal with Christians who... You know, oh, I, you know I, I believe in Jesus Christ, I reject the other stuff. Or, you know what, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in wives submitting to your husbands. You know, it's like, you feel like there's something wrong with you <laughs> as a Christian for believing that, for reading the whole Bible. You know, you feel like there's something wrong with you, but there isn't. You know, there are more people like me, we're just elusive, we're rare, we're not alone. And I just need to be reminded of that. More and more, I'm coming to terms with the fact that there are different types of people who label themselves as Christians. Some merely inherit the title and they call themselves Christians because that's what their parents were. Um, so they follow suit without really understanding what it means. Some people believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior who died for our sins so that we may be forgiven. And then there are practicing Christians who not only believe in all that, but they live by the teachings of Christ and his apostles such as how we should treat each other with love and kindness and pursuing first the kingdom of heaven over our earthly materialistic goals. This is important to distinguish when it comes to marriage because if you and your potential mate are different, if she or he isn't willing to become a practicing Christian like you, you're going to run and bump heads. It's just, just going to be a mess. It, it's going to be a mess and it's going to be a heartache. And I wouldn't want that for anyone who wants to get married and stay married and not get divorced. Because you know how divorce is these days. I'm not happy anymore. I just don't love you anymore. You've changed. It's like, it's a commitment. It's a vow before God. You know, like it's more than just, oh, I'm not happy. You stick with it. It's called faith. You know, and Christians these days... Man, it's just so messed up. So I take it very seriously. I take these points very seriously before I even get married. 
I don't know, Rock. It sounds like you're just trying too much to control people. I'm not. You have a choice. This is the path I'm walking. Never will you catch me grabbing someone and drag them down my path. And until I make a vow before God to be your husband, we're not attached. You're free to do whatever you want. How stupid does it look to have someone walk with me, see where I'm going, and then say something like, are you saying if I want to be with you, I have to keep walking this path too? It sounds like you're really controlling. We don't have to keep this path. We can stop. We can walk around. We can check out these other paths. Go. Just go. There are billions of guys out there who are open and they're liberal and they're loose with their morals and they're just free. You know, they're free spirits. Go to them. I don't want you. How is that controlling? Now more than ever, we live in the sickest, most twisted, most backwardized and moral society. If I plan to have children, I need to stand united with my future wife and the way we raise them. If, my, if I'm with a wife who believes doing whatever makes you happy, regardless of what the Bible says, this is a problem. If we love our children, we need to provide them with not one, but two loving parents and strong solidarity. You see what I did there? The Bible may say wives submit to your husbands, but wives are still crucial to the family. Children need their mothers and their fathers. I don't want to say they're equal because I think society uses that word to do more damage than good. But if we're both striving to do what's good in God's eyes, who cares who's equal? Honestly, like if we're, in, if we're both to endure to the end and we're both saved, that's all that matters. That's why it kills me. It literally breaks my heart when I run into nice, beautiful Christian women and I can tell they have the glow of Christ on them. I can tell that they're good natured and they would make awesome wives, but sadly they just don't know what I know. It's almost as if it would have been better if I didn't read the entire book. If I were, if I just read bits and pieces like everyone else, so we could all be on the same level. And yes, I know people will say that I'm arrogant or I think I'm superior for saying that we're not on the same level, but there's no other way to describe it. One female friend once told me, literally said this, are there other friends like you? Where are they at? Because, you know, my friends could use a man. And I didn't want to tell this, but the answer is there aren't many men like me. Even in my in, even in my world. I don't know anyone else in my world in my who exists who are in their 30s, who read the entire Bible, they're good looking, they're single, they're in shape, and they choose to remain a virgin until marriage. I I hate to say I am kind of one of a kind. And if I am wrong, if I am misinterpreting scriptures, again, I welcome correction if it's based on Bible knowledge. But if you're countering me with personal feelings or the way of progressive ideology, I'm sorry, that's just not going to work on me. I could care less what this society does, all right? I could care less what society thinks is right and wrong. I turn to God for that. Society isn't going to get me into kingdom of heaven, all right? All the money in the world, my condo, my car, my job, it's all temporary. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a better world beyond this. This world is going to be destroyed. Jesus Christ is going to return. I believe this with all my heart. Just read Revelation chapter 16, and I dare you not to feel sorry for anyone who chooses the way of the world over God. Ultimately, I think it says a lot about the people who are so repulsed by the notion of submitting to your husband. More or less, it's telling me one or more of the following. Okay, brace yourself. This is going to, this is going to sting a little. One, it could be that you picked the wrong husband to submit to. Two, you're not as humble as you think. Three, your argument is with God more so than the messenger who quotes the scriptures verbatim and tells you, hey, think for yourself what it means. Four, you're still plugged into the system, caring more about what the world thinks than what God thinks. Five, you don't trust me or my intentions when I quote the scriptures, revealing how lowly you think of me. Six, you're immature. Seven, if you think that you shouldn't have to submit to your husband because you make more money or in your career, which of us really has the ego? And eight, you just haven't learned the truth yet. Basically, that's those are the eight points that really come to mind when I, you know I'm dealing with a woman who has an issue with, you know, I don't really don't believe in wives submitting your husband. It could be one, it could be all of them, and again, you could be in your journey, man. Like this, you just weren't ready to hear it. And again, I pray that if 
you just weren't ready to hear it, but you're striving to do what's good in God's eyes, pray that he softens your heart. Pray that you, he, he blesses you with clarity. And again, if I'm wrong, I, I pray that you he blesses you with the truth. I don't think I'm wrong, and I'm willing to die by my beliefs. Romans chapter 14. You know, I know that, um, especially because I'm preaching the scriptures, I'm ministering when I do these videos. You know, if I'm leading people astray, I'm going to be destroyed 10 times worse than people, you know, I have a lot in the line if I'm misleading people. Um, but I say I don't think I'm wrong. I say that with conviction because that's how we should be standing before God, with conviction, not with, oh, I think I'm right, but I'm not entirely sure, you know? Um, so yeah, and, and the last two paragraphs are a little bit brutal. Um, I basically say that this is this could be a reason why some ladies would rather be single mothers than wives. But of course, even there, to be a single mother means to have sex outside of marriage. And to have sex outside of marriage is fornication and sexually immoral. So yeah, there's a problem there. If you claim to be Christian, all I'm saying is that you do your best to do what's good in God's eyes. Now, what's, not, what's, not, not what's good in my eyes, not what's good in the eyes of society or whatever culture you're trapped in, but what's good in God's eyes. And what's good in God's eyes? Start reading the Bible to find out. Or if you have any questions, feel free to ask, and I'll do my best to direct you to the scriptures where you can get your answers. Again, thank you for listening.